Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. On today's podcast, playoff standing predictions, are you buying Georgia, book recommendations for the forlorn fan, And if Tom Herman and Mike Gundy really had fought on Saturday, who you got? Welcome to the Overreaction Monday edition of the Yahoo Sports College Podcast. I am Dan Wetzel, joined by Pat and Pete, both here this week. Let's get right to it, or should I say, let's get ready to rumble. (laughs) Almost. We almost... Almost retreated to Saturday Night Fights. Tom Herman and Mike Gundy. This would have been unbelievable. But we're actually, <laughs> it's kind of lame. We're being unfair. We're being instigators. Because the promising development of those two duking it out in Stillwater ended peacefully with both sides. Talking it out. Communicating. Conflict resolution. And a nice post-game handshake and hug. We don't like any of that. No. Uh, as is our tradition here, we're going tail of the tape on this no matter what. No matter what they say now. Uh, so we're going to get to that. But first, I want to talk about this victory by Oklahoma State. 38-35 upset of the Longhorns. Biggest result of the weekend, which is a kind of dead weekend. Uh, almost assuredly, if not totally, ends UT's playoff hopes. Perhaps that of the entire Big 12, which we will get to. Uh, And I was taken by the game played by Cowboys QB, Taylor Cornelius. No matter how tech the Oklahoma State offense was, when they needed a play, they just gave it to this big, huge six-foot-six dude from the panhandle of Texas, and he would just run it. Like, this is like offense out of the 1930s, like the wing T practically. (laughs) He's from Bushland, Texas. 6'6", he was only 170 coming out of high school. I mean, that is a string bean. He might have been blown away in the wind. Uh, D2 offers only, decides to walk on Oklahoma State, red shirts, spends three years as a backup, barely plays, however, makes all academic Big 12 somehow. Uh, I mean, obviously the studying part. I don't know how you earn it. Don't you supposed to be like, isn't that supposed to be like a combo of good player and good student? It's It's all fungible, you know. If there yeah. are no good students, you give or no good players who are good students, you give I, it to the other ones anyway. Kind of says something about the academic athletic combo of the Big Twelve that a guy who didn't play somehow <laughs> made. But anyway, good job, Taylor Cornelius. I love guys like this because they just kind of stick to the program and then they have their big moment. Um, 
So uh, I loved it. National TV paid off. What were your thoughts before we get to the the near fight, uh, just on the game and and what what's up with Texas? Yeah, big uh, big flop by Texas. Uh, Oklahoma State had not was not having a very good season. Um, scored seventeen points against Texas Tech. Scored twelve against a bad Kansas State team, and all of a sudden, then they just can't be stopped by Texas, which is was ranked, I believe, seventh going into the game. Uh, maybe even sixth, and uh, they had 31 points at halftime. I think they had over 400, no, th- close to 400 yards at halftime. They ended up with 502, ended up with 38, and it tells me that Texas, while it is improving, it is far from back. The constant uh, conversation we've had over whether is Texas back. No, Texas is not back. I think this, like, Texas hadn't beaten Oklahoma State, from my quick research here, since 2014. So part of me was surprised that Texas lost because Texas has been playing well, and Oklahoma State had really flatlined this year. And as much as Dan wrote his love letter to Taylor Cornelius in his, like, A-minus in chemistry class, he'd been pretty bad all year, you know? Like, he just was, he had not fulfilled that lineage of what we've come to expect from Oklahoma State quarterbacks. So give their coaches credit for putting him in more position to succeed. I believe... Last year's game was 13-10 in overtime. So clearly Oklahoma State staff did something to to prepare better for a Todd Orlando defense because I feel like this version of the Texas defense is improved from last season. So while part of me was surprised that Texas laid an egg like that, the other part of me says, okay, they had probably overachieved to this point. No one in that program would tell you with some truth serum that they're a playoff-type team, that they have that talent to do that. They – played well against Oklahoma, and I do think this opens a little crease for Oklahoma. There, There's a crease available for Oklahoma to sneak back in and grab that four spot if they went out and keep beating people in the, uh, you know, the caliber and the way they did to uh, Dan's buddy Bill Snyder this weekend. I think they creased his windbreaker by hanging 51 on them. Um, but I, I think Texas is still a year plus away from really being the thumper Mac Brown loaded with talent type Texas that we've come. So I, I did not expect them to like run the table magically after, uh, after beating Oklahoma. So there was, this was a bit of a reality check and Texas is probably a top 20 ish team where they will fall to. I agree with the Texas part. Cause I, I looked and saw a sixth, like that was high. I think they just kind of hadn't lost in a while. And that's why they got so high up there. I really don't think they're uh, a top six team. And you can criticize my love letter to this quarterback, but he clearly scored more points than last year <laughs> when they had a highly recruited, you know, uh, starting scholarship. Mason player. Rudolph was in a yeah, draft. Good player. Yeah, yeah. 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 So my guy from West Texas, okay, that's all I'm going to say. You can hate on him for the other losses, though. But uh, he earned it. <laughs> Don't mess with West Texas. You know, these Bushland kids, they're tough. <laughs> They'll fight you behind the Dairy Queen and kick your, you know. A Whataburger duel. Yeah, I don't even think that Bushland can handle a Whataburger. Probably yeah. just the DQ. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get to the near fight because this was the most exciting part to me. Herman was yelling at Gundy. Gundy was yelling at Herman. It was over some late game on-field tumult. Uh, Herman had to be restrained. Gundy eventually was waving his hands to the crowd in the air like a pro wrestler. He was basking in cheers and his glorious mullet. It was maybe the most exciting moment of the day. 
Uh, I did a Twitter poll after asking who would win the fight if there was a fight. And uh, I will read the best responses. They are quite good uh, in a minute, but I'll let you guys get to it. Uh, it finished up uh, 13,000 votes. 75% thought Gundy would beat Herman. Hmm. I don't know who the hell these 25% are. Uh, for a while, it was stuck on 69.31, and the percentage tally of 69 for Gundy seemed to cause some Twitter users <laughs> to say that was the perfect number for him, which makes me believe they know more about him than I do. I, don't, I found nothing about that in the school Never bio. Never underestimate the juvenile sensibilities of our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I was like, what? I don't know. Uh, he did give this... Uh, uh, I'll tell you what he thinks of Twitter votes, though, because he gave this response to his uh, to to somebody mentioning Twitter at his post game press conference. Yeah, oh, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Can't argue with that. So, well, we seventy five a show for the next year. Yeah, just randomly did. drop it in there. Like, preach, Mike Gundy. Preach. Yeah, oh, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. <laughs> I'm going to well, try that, to make that my credo in life, actually. And just think of <laughs> my Herman. My ringtone. <laughs> yeah, just think about Herman, who must really not, because they think he's going to get his butt kicked by by Gundy. Um, it was weird putting that poll out, because I realized Tom Herman follows me on Twitter. So I was wondering if at some point <laughs> he, he scrolls through and sees, oh, man. Like that. He probably <laughs> voted, knowing Tom. He might have voted. Vote. That's how they got the 25%. That's how he got 25%. Anyway, uh, I think we know my opinion who win this fight. Pete, who wins if Herman and Gundy had really thrown fists in the Stillwater night? I am uh, I'm going to take Tom Herman, and I will, oh. I will tell you why by telling a story. Oh, drink your Fiji and roll your eyes, Wetzel. Um, I was at Ohio State once for a story when Herman was the offensive coordinator. I sat in their quarterback room for a week. It was back when they had... Cardale Jones, JT Barrett, Braxton Miller, and uh, Stephen Collier. And Herman was uh, playing practice film. And this was the the last season there. And he had gotten in really good shape in the offseason. He was very proud of it. And he would occasionally stop the film and circle himself with the little red pointer <laughs> on the on the screen to show off how strong his like lats and his back muscles were because he was really <laughs> proud of how he got in shape. So I have seen Tom Ehrman, and he actually got a little bit out of shape when he got to Texas, but he's gotten back in shape at least the last time I saw him uh, earlier this fall when I was through there before the USC game. I don't see Mike Gundy as a guy who has like religious devotion to working out. So I think, I think midseason Tom Herman in better shape can outscrap Mike Gundy. Uh, I'm going to agree with you because I think Gundy's all mullet, no muscle. All right. He's come on. He's, he's the classic, especially it was great with the, with the whole, you know, Oh, show into the crowd after the, uh, after it was very much assured that there was going to be no scrap, you know, (laughs) that's when all of a sudden he's throwing his arms up, getting all feisty. Now, Gundy, he's a skinny guy. He he's, he is not down for that fight. And Herman has that snap ability. We saw it right there in that <laughs> moment where it looked like he was just ready to absolutely lose it and just go Linda Blair exorcist on uh, on the whole proceedings <laughs> there. I mean, he was he was fired up. So if those two got after it, Herman wins. Oh, I mean, the man, Mike Gundy hunts rattlesnakes. <laughs> That's just you're that's, not allowed to bring a gun to this, Wetzel. This is a <laughs> you don't know that. There were no rules established in the fight. 
I just assumed it was going to be at Dairy Queen. You can't bring my, a gun to a Dairy Gundy Queen. My Gundy would be at, behind the, you go behind the Dairy. My Gundy is nuts. <laughs> he's, he's skinny. He, he yelled no at way. Jenny Carlson, the Oklahoman. That, that shows real toughness. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah your your yeah. argument's really going well, Dan. All right, it's not going so well. But I don't care. The people are my side. Mike Gundy, I, I'm not going to steal all the lines because I'm, I'm going to read them. I mean, I'll just start reading them, okay? Because after this, let's just, I, I don't even need to speak. I'm going to let our, our listeners speak, okay? Uh, first, who would win? Uh, let's go with E. Herberto Hokey says America. America would win. <laughs> if there's a fight. All right, here's Rob Kadaki. wins Lund. these days. Yeah. Uh, he's in favor of Herman. Herman just has to pull on Gundy's hair. All right. <laughs> Mike Armesia, if I'm getting these things wrong, tough break. The man has a mullet, a mullet. Justin Gibbs, judging by the mullet, Gundy probably watches Roadhouse on a daily basis and practices Tai Chi by the river. My, <laughs> my money is on Gundy. Uh Let's see. Craig Tipton said he, Gundy's the toughest, co- toughest in America. He'd beat oh any coach. I said Coach O wrestles alligators every morning. <laughs> he responded, Gundy has that underdog mentality thing down to a science, and Coach O is clearly a talker due to his recruiting acumen. You can see O trying something to try to set the tone, and Gundy just going for the jugular. Uh, all right, Jacob Roberson. Uh, I'm pretty sure Gundy would take his shirt off and be drenched in baby oil like Hulk Hogan used to. <laughs> In fact, I can see Gundy doing a leg drop on Herman. <laughs> Taylor Weston. If anyone thinks they can beat a rattlesnake hunter slash turtle farmer in a fight, they've, they're they a bit touched in the head. Ryan J. Murphy says 80s mullet greater than 90s goatee. <laughs> uh, Clinton Duncan. Never mess with the Payne County painkiller. Gundy with a swift jab and a dad joke. <laughs> pain County painkiller. Oh my God. Cole, Cole Clark says mullets have no known predators. <laughs> oh my God. Dax Trujillo says never bet against a mullet when death is on the line. <laughs> Matt all in G, whatever that is. A man with a mullet also has a Bowie knife hidden somewhere on his body. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> uh, can I can I interject here for a second? I had a wonderful Twitter moment this weekend. Uh, I was covering Friday night. Miami was at Boston College. Home game for me. The Hurricanes were just absolutely dead asleep. Brutal play calling. Didn't go it on a couple early fourth and shorts. It was sort of your classic Mark Rip lull you to sleep game. So... In my ever-worldly way of, uh, you know, trying to live-tweet some game, I I said that the Hurricanes needed an adrenaline shot. Well, my fat fingers got the eye instead of that. Yes. So, uh, (laughs) yes. It was not an adrenaline shot that went out (laughs) to America. Yes, it was not an adrenaline shot. So, uh, you can use your imagination. I know this is a family (laughs) podcast. So, anyway... I realized that within a few minutes, Mike LaPrey, the basketball SID at BC, of course, captured it for posterity's sake and, and, and texted it to me immediately. So I obviously erased the I obviously erased the tweet, but there were a few responses to it in the in the two minutes. I mean, you give Twitter a little piece of gold like that, it's oh, not yeah. gonna it's not gonna take advantage. So one guy was like, an adrenaline 
not shot. He's like, that sounds like what the Canes used to do in the 80s when they were really the U. <laughs> they take adrenaline, you know, what's everywhere. And I was like, all right, that's pretty funny. <laughs> have, you ever had, have you ever had an adrenaline? Uh... <laughs> I have not, personally. Just wondering. Uh... Hey, but here's my thought. Now, if, if you never bet against a mullet when death is on the line, does that mean we should stop with the military haircuts for our military and let them grow mullets? Uh, well, you know, you got to advance. This is a we're good gonna be point. a better fighting force if we're all a bunch of mullets out there. Don't the Marine tell Corps. me the U.S. Marines been wrong all these years. <laughs> out with American. the jarhead, in with the mullet. Yeah. Some real uh, high-end well, discourse here today, guys. We're really on a good path. I don't know. I don't know. Danny Mueller, Gundy, I bet he starts team meetings with clips from Roadhouse. That was a big one, Roadhouse. <laughs> Keith Cola, Gundy would drop Herman and then commence to doing donuts in his Trans Am in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Meg Leonard, Gundy has a mullet, no doubt has watched endless hours of back fight, backyard fights on VHS. <laughs> Probably. I think, I, all right, I would say for sure Gundy has watched, like, he gets on YouTube and looks up, like, bum fights and, like, like just, like, he's a he's a world star fan. Like, two, yeah. if there's a fight, yeah. like, whenever there's, like, uh, there's a fight at the, uh, at, the, at the Waffle House, right, and then someone's got a video, you know Gundy's watching. I don't know if Herman is. Herman's, like, very, he's got other things to do. Like, he's trying to do stuff. Gundy, I think, just sitting around. <laughs> he's got other things to do. <laughs> yeah, Gundy, he's got. I got. Like, I got time. Like yeah, coaches, football this. team. Yeah, Gundy, yeah. It's like rattlesnake hunting's out of season. I think so. Yeah, he's, he's not, probably moved he's on to the world star. It's like where'd you get your quarterback? Crawls. He just showed up from West Texas. I don't even know who this big old lunk <laughs> is. I don't know. We don't even recruit around here. <laughs> Me and my mullet just make it work. He that's recruits right. like a couple wide receivers. That's it. He'll go to Texas, get a wide receiver, and that's it. That's his whole recruiting. I don't think he does anything else. Just sits there and counts Boone Puckin's money. Anyway, Gundy's <laughs> winning this fight. Sorry, Coach Herman. We'll hold it against me. But. I will give Gundy this last edge. Is he does pick fights with his athletic director publicly all the time, yeah. so he may have an edge in experience. Not, not, <laughs> not, not, uh, not, not afraid. All right, final thought on this game. Uh, first playoff rankings come out Tuesday. Pete kind of alluded to it, but what are the big chances of still getting Oklahoma in there? I mean, I, Sooners could finish 12 and one uh, with a lone loss on a last second field goal on a neutral field. And Texas is probably not going to just collapse. So they'll be pretty good. I still like that. I mean, we'll see how it plays out. Also of note, Washington state is still technically alive in the PAC 12, the league's only hope, but non-conference slate, Wyoming, Eastern Michigan, San Jose state, brutal. Uh, is that league out? So what do you guys think of where we're going first play and give us a prediction of your four teams heading into the first uh, playoff uh, playoff rankings on Tuesday? Yeah, I, th I think we're headed towards a basically a fourth, fifth beauty contest for the champion of the Big 12 and the champion of the Big 10. And I would think the champion of the Big 10 would win it, but we'll see. I think Alabama's not going to lose. Uh, and even if they do, then the champion of the SEC is getting in, and then you would throw in a second SEC team into that beauty race. Um, Clemson's certainly not going to lose. Uh, that comp the competition in the ACC is dreadful. I don't think Notre Dame's going to lose. Now, we'll see. Uh, and they would fall into the category of, are they really good enough to be 12-0? But then you look at the schedule and say, who's going to beat them? So if those three get in, 
then I think we are looking at, okay, winner of the Big 12, if it's Oklahoma at 12-1 and one versus Ohio State or Michigan at 12-1, and one, if both those conferences can get a one-loss team that far. Uh, and that would be an interesting taffy pull. Oklahoma is hurt by the fact that UCLA is no good because that was their big non-conference game, and uh, the Bruins, you know, flopped. But on the other hand, if you look at it, uh, Ohio State's non-conference schedule is flopped because TCU has bottomed out. Michigan lost their big non-conference game, so there'd be it would be an interesting debate. I think if it came down to that scenario, I kind of hope it does. That'd be fun. Well, I, I generally agree with most of what Pat has to say, but I, I will I will pick this one thing apart, and I say this knowing anyone that listens to our Friday Picks podcast knows I cannot pick games to save my life. So <laughs> I'm like I'm like hitting 25. percent If I had Costanza the season and picked the opposite of what I do, I'd probably be kicking Pat's tail. But that said, I will challenge Mister Forty on the nobody's going to lose concept. People always lose. You and I've been doing this the same amount of time, Pat. Teams always lose. Clemson or Notre Dame will lose. Like there's just Who's too many beat games. Clemson. Oh well, didn't they, lose to, didn't they lose a pit two years ago? Like I mean, look, Cle- I think Clemson's very good, but like you know, Michigan could lose. I, I think if Iowa ends up in the Big Ten title game, they could give Michigan a, a heck of a game, right? Like I just feel like there's there's more losses out there on the schedule than we give credit for. Like Notre well, Dame, no, there probably to- are, but unless you can identify them, I mean, what are we talking about here? You know, well, I, mean, I I just have I that variable like I just think midseason everyone's like oh they're gonna win out and they're gonna win out and then every year everyone's like stunned that Pitt beats Clemson and I mean you feel like Notre Dame has to go to USC which will be desperate and you know maybe even playing for a bowl bid at that point the Syracuse game at Yankee Stadium at least looks like marginally more difficult than it than it had before and and look true. Northwestern has won thir- twelve of thirteen Big Ten games and again they've looked garish in some of them but at the end of the day like a road game at Northwestern is not going to be like a walk in the park. And I think Notre Dame, the sum is better than their parts. They've had a good season, but they're not this like over-talented juggernaut that's just mashing down people's throats. So that's my, that is my general take. I wasn't going to like regurgitate the analysis that Pat had, which I thought was good. I just feel like, I feel like we're going to see some losses, which is good. It's good for the sport. Keeps things interesting. And uh, yeah, we've got one more of those Saturdays in us where everyone's like, Oh my God, I can't believe all this happened. Cause that's the way it's gone for the past 15 years. An adrenaline shot or something <laughs> of perspective and context brought to the overreaction podcast. Of course, Pete's right. They, it's very hard to go undefeated. That's why it rarely happens. Uh, it's not going to happen with three teams. Someone's losing. And uh, we got some good games. All right. Uh, first, can one, we just uh, say that teams. Alabama may lose? Like, I hate they to lose to LSU. It, that's the one that's going to screw it all up. LSU wins yes. out in Alabama. Alabama will have no good, no like incredible wins, but it's going to be like, yeah, you're going to leave them out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, well, I didn't last year. That yeah. would be that would be a really really interesting uh, taffy pull if that ends up. If LSU is twelve and one and Alabama's eleven and one, and it's the same sort of scenario as last year, and yeah, Alabama's resume doesn't have a lot any quality wins, but they have absolutely destroyed everyone, and they have one loss in Tiger Stadium. Hey. Uh, they would be tough to leave out. Yeah. Well, we don't root for teams, but I am all for rooting for chaos, and that would be a very fun, like chaotic it. scenario. Situational anarchist is how I like to uh, describe myself. There, there all right. In a controversy that never seems to end, although it's only a week old, uh, Michigan and Michigan State are still scrapping. <laughs> okay? And since we like scraps, we're going at it. 
Uh, this time it was uh, quotes by John Engler, the Michigan State president, uh, interim president. He was named president <laughs> because they got rid of uh, the old president during the Larry Nassar scandal. Scandal. Engler, uh, for those who are unaware, is a three-term Michigan governor, former governor, and uh, he is a politician to the nth degree. He, whether you agree or disagree with his politics, everyone would agree he was a extremely effective governor at getting what he wanted done, and he does that by playing to the base. And uh, he's done a horrible job on the Larry Nasser thing because he keeps talking like a politician. Uh, instead of talking like someone who's overseeing an absolutely horrific uh, tragedy. But uh, he's still in, still employed, no matter his embarrassment. But this one, he goes straight, uh, play to the base in pregame comments to WMMQFM 94.9 on your local dial if you're in the locality of wherever that is. All right, so we know about this ridiculous pregame thing. Uh, yeah. But here we go. This is, the pro- this is the technically the president of MSU. It was a setup. I think the whole thing was staged and the behavior just outrageous. Okay, so Michigan State got conned into this somehow. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the idea that Michigan State gets fine, they got a 10, 10K fine from the Big Ten, is absurd. The Michigan player, who is Devin Bush, uh, that was out there tearing up the field. That seemed to be the single most egregious act. I mean, blocking the players was dumb. The players, as they did the march, but his behavior in front of everyone, tearing, trying to tear up the field and for this is the real tragedy here, forcing our groundskeeper to come out and fix it. <laughs> come on. And then he goes conspiracy. I was told, and I haven't been around very long, that down at the Big Ten headquarters, the scarlet and gray and the maize and blue have a little status. And it sure looked like that this week. Pat, what do you think of John? Man, yeah, if he, if he wants to ingratiate himself with the Spartan faithful, he just did with that. With the with the we're getting screwed by the the establishment teams that are that happen to both be in their division and one in their state there. So, yes, that was prime play to the base uh, maneuver there. It, it's absurd. First of all, A, shut up because let this thing go. But B, <laughs> to make to have Bush the the the, the absolute, you know, villain of our times for scuffing up the Spartan helmet and forcing, as you said, the, the groundskeeper to have to come out and, and like, what, what'd he do? Like replace a divot? I mean, yeah, keep cat, the grounds. Cat, caddies do that, you know, uh, all the time. I, whatever. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It's good for podcast business that we're still talking about <laughs> somebody scuffing the Spartan face or the Spartan head, but it's uh it's a bit stupid. Yeah. The, the Spartans, Carl Spackler. Uh, had to get out the- <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry that the grounds crew had to d- put some divots down. If you had done like the blind resume on that and said, was this, and gave me the option, was this written by SpartyFan47 <laughs> on the Rivals.com message board or the Michigan State president? I think we all would have voted for SpartyFan47. No That's doubt. just like complete chum for the fan base partisan garbage like oh politician could take advantage to 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 win some to win some more other rivals.com posters over i i feel like watching michigan state from afar during the last tragic couple of years there it feels like 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 they've gotten their leadership off craigslist like who are these people like it's <laughs> he's, he has been horrible on the nasser case this awful uh, this i, I remember a couple of your columns awful one. 
this is harmless fun, but totally absurd. Mm -hmm. But he's a politician, so he's saying he doesn't believe it. Like he's right. a set, yeah. you know, it's almost I can imagine him laughing at it at, while doing it. This is yeah. what happens when you have politicians in place. But uh, his, his his approval rating probably did go up. Uh, all right. Quickly, uh, cocktail party went to Georgia. Uh, kind of looked like a possible playoff team. Like they've kind of been written off, but now they go to Lexington to play seven and one Kentucky. Yes, seven and one Kentucky, seven and one, and not in basketball. So, um, should be absolutely wild there on Saturday. Uh, based on this victory over Florida, are you buying Georgia? Well, first of all, in, you know, for, for podcast karma, I just want to invite Pat, if he wants to stay home this weekend and go to the uh, go to the Kentucky-Georgia game, you know, the biggest game in the Commonwealth in like 50 years, and, and let me go to LSU-Alabama, I'd be happy to give you that privilege, you know, in, in, in the spirit of good teamwork and camaraderie. So just consider the, that an, an open invitation, Pat. The, I know you the probably— answer is no. <laughs> I know you've probably really not seen a lot of good football games at uh, the probably the last big game there was that LSU game the year they won the title. Um, the uh, the famous are the cats going to win game. Um, <laughs> but yes, that that joke aside, um, I uh, I am not quite buying Georgia. I'm going to buy Georgia next year because they're going to bring everybody back and they're going to be a little older and a little bigger. Um, and part of me not buying Georgia is me thinking Florida is just. You know, Florida is an upper middle class team right now. They're not an elite team. Georgia is better right now. They're further along in Kirby Smart's rebuild, and they had superior play at the quarterback position. Felipe Franks, I thought, showed some really nice moments on Saturday, and then he just showed some god awful moments. He overthrew a guy down the middle. He threw, I believe, two terrible picks. So Dan Mullen in his development of Felipe Franks, and I do believe he'll get there, is not quite there yet. And you just can't do that if you have a little bit less talent on a neutral field. So good win for Georgia. Good bounce back. Pat wrote it in our 10 takeaways this week that uh, Cheney sort of rediscovered the identity of what Georgia needs to be on offense. It was completely out of whack in that game at uh, at LSU. So I'm buying Georgia, but I'm not buying them all the way because they're still going to have to play Bama or LSU in Atlanta, and that won't go well. Yeah, well, as I said two two weeks ago on the Overreaction Monday podcast, y'all were overreacting to the LSU loss and that, yes, Georgia would be okay. Uh, I, I am buying them certainly to be in Atlanta. Uh, yes, this may be the biggest game that Kentucky's played literally since 1950, if you want to look it up. Bear Bryant was the coach then. Uh, but uh, Georgia's the best team in the East. That's period. And and they, they, they got the reality check they needed when they were at LSU. They rediscovered their formula. They got less sloppy and a little more serious, I think, which they needed to do, uh, and they took care of business. Now, the one thing I will say against Kentucky, Kentucky runs the football. Georgia's run defense still is not great. Uh, last three games, they gave up 4.8 yards of carry to Vanderbilt, 5.4 to LSU, 4.6 to Florida. You can run the ball on them, but Kentucky also cannot throw. I still think Georgia is going to win that game and be the best in the East. Uh but it may not be an easy game. But Georgia's Georgia's fine. Georgia can still make the playoff. They're going to have to beat Alabama in Atlanta to do that. But they're they're going to be there, and they're going to be there with one loss. I wanted to nickname Kentucky's QB Scary Terry when he throws the ball in honor of <laughs> Terry Rozier, the Celtics guard who went to Louisville. So I thought there would be a good tie there. He has been dynamic and fun to watch this season and certainly led them to a special year. But um, I think our buzzword for quarterbacks of that nature is limited and he is shown to be limited 
All right, a few weeks ago, I pointed out the state of the UMass football program by pointing to a picture that uh, got put up on Insta, uh, on uh, social media of an undergrad undergrad laying down at a home football game <laughs> reading what appeared to be a textbook. He also had a nice uh, uh, serving of stadium nachos, too. So I applauded him for being uh, optimistic enough in victory to attend the game, which ended in defeat for the Minutemen. But enough of a college-educated realist to bring homework along in case it broke bad. Sorry to tell you, Florida State fans, but your program has now hit that <laughs> level of futility. Bring your own book day. This is perhaps the first time FSU and UMass football have been comparable in anything. During Clemson's 59-10, 520-yard gain route of the Seminoles in Tallahassee, ABC showed an FSU professor sitting shirtless at the game, reading a book. Now, it turns out he took the shirt off because he's trying to enjoy the last bits of autumn, the sun, and decided to move to an empty area of Dope Campbell to warm up. Quote, uh, I was cold sitting over there. I took my shirt off to get some sun. There aren't going to be many days like this anymore this fall. I came over here to sit in the sun. We were so far behind, I started reading my little book. Okay, the book was Dark Places by Jillian Flynn. Now, no offense, but I like my professors, even ones from the College of Social Work, to be maybe reading something more strenuous than a novel. <laughs> they can't but read for fun? Come on. I guess better reading than nothing. He wasn't just looking at his phone, uh, which wouldn't have... Right? Uh, he could have been listening to the podcast, something very more academic. Um, anyway... Uh, good on him for preparing ahead because you could have seen this whipping coming. So uh, we all went to a college. Uh, if you were uh, attending a game of your alma mater, Pat went to Missouri, Pete went to Syracuse, uh, what book would you bring to the game right now that would describe the state of the program? I think Dark Places does a pretty good job for Florida State. Very good. Uh, what would you bring to read uh, if you went to a game? We'll start with you. That's a good question. I had I'd reserved my mental space for this to compliment Jillian Flynn. I've read uh, Sharp Objects and was didn't, no, she wasn't the girl on the train. Gone Girl. Other, Gone yeah, Girl. Gone Girl. Good Gone book. Girl's a fantastic book. Yeah, it really was, is a good book. It's really a good book. So I was uh, I was I was just particularly amused. I was happy to know that Jillian Flynn had a new book out because I'm going to go buy it. And <laughs> I I, I want to call on Monday in, to the publicist and see if there's been a spike in dark places sales because of the publicity that our shirtless friend uh, that our shirtless friend got. So I, I guess since I don't have a book and I did go to Syracuse, I'll just say that uh, the most appropriate title I can think of is. The Rising by Bruce Springsteen, which is an album because Syracuse is ranked for the first time in 17 years uh, as of Sunday. So, um, yes, but that would probably give you an insight of how much I actually studied when I was there that I couldn't come up with a book title off the top of my head. Okay, Man. good job. Good job. The beer <laughs> the beer list at 44 is uh, yeah. really, really <laughs> that's That's the reading material in Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Pat, what would you bring to a Mizzou game? Yeah, geez, Louise. I even handed Pete one to use, and he didn't use it. So I, I, I'm. He didn't I, do I, his homework. By the way, proof. Yeah. My professors <laughs> would tell you the same. So our, what did you hand pre, me, Pat? Our pre-show, our pre-show homework is like nothing. There's literally <laughs> nothing to it. Yeah, it and you still didn't even read the one paragraph text that Pat sent 
preparing for this. Yep. That's it. That's all I asked. It literally Couldn't is one paragraph. That much. Couldn't get that much. So, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, I am going with the 1958 novel, Things Fall Apart. That's, that is Missouri <laughs> football. Uh, it says everything you need to know in three words by Chinua Achebe. Uh, my wife says it's an outstanding book. I'll admit I have not yet read it, but she is, <laughs> she is badgering me to read it. Just the title alone is perfect uh, for Missouri football, as we saw in the Kentucky game when they just inexplicably blew a game that they had completely 100% won with the help of an absolutely atrocious call and non-call at the end, but it never should have gotten that to that point. That's Missouri football. I thought about going with Fear by Bob Woodward, the new book, <laughs> because that every Missouri fan going into any game of consequence is always fearful because you know how it's going to end. It's going to end badly, just as it did Saturday. Fear. Yeah, that's pretty good. So what did you tell what was your recommendation, Pat? Uh enlighten me because I clearly you missed it. You could have had fear. You were I was gonna to give fear. you fear. Yeah, I was you didn't take fear. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty simple. I missed yeah, that in our exchanges. Mm-hmm. All right. My, well, I went to UMass. Uh they did win this weekend. They beat UConn, which will tell you what the heck's going on with UConn. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. How the Ooh. heck did you lose to UMass? Uh, anyway, I would take the book uh, A Drinking Life, which I have read. Uh, the <laughs> it's great very good. memoir by Pete Hamill, the tremendous New York journalist. It is a classic. It is a great book. If you are looking for a book, uh, A Drinking Life, it's basically like a couple decades after he stopped drinking, he decided to write about his early life of drinking. Um, and then and then at the end, he talks about how it kind of destroys lives. We won't read the last part. Just go with the early part. That was kind of the fun part for me. Uh, because it's been less than 20 years since my last drink, to say the <laughs> least. Maybe 20 minutes, maybe. <laughs> but I don't think anyone could go to a UMass football game sober. So I would think being a UMass, I have not been to a UMass football game in decades. There's a good chance I'll never go to another one. Uh, I would not go sober. So I'm taking a drinking life. Uh and, you know, it's amazing how much UMass football has come up on this podcast because <laughs> it really has nothing to do we, with anything. We have uh, two uh, two ongoing sagas that I can figure. We've got people reading books at stadiums during games, and we have coach fights because, remember, we had the Derek Mason, yeah, Dan Mullen absolutely. scrap, too. So, so. Well, we're going to do every coach fight. There will every be a tail of the tape. <laughs> if you're looking for publicity out there, like if you're like a deep <laughs> 1AA coach or something <laughs> – Get in a stuck fight, in the sun belt. Yeah. You will be on the podcast. Okay. 100% guaranteed. You'll be on. All right. Small sample Heisman. If the Heisman was only one week, who would win it this week? Uh, I'm going to give some props to Derek King of Houston, who's just having like a tremendous season. He's actually like blitzing away what Mackenzie Milton did last year for UCF, which is. Uh, which is quite frankly uh pretty pretty impressive. He was a uh, national offensive player of the week this week and I think I'm looking at my numbers here. He's 6 TDs away from breaking the conference record that Milton set last year. So and he's 24 away from the NCAA record for TDs responsible for which I believe is held by the great Colt Brennan of Hawaii. Mhm. Yeah, uh, somebody got the David Bassity memo. So did I. Um, <laughs> my short sample, small sample Heisman is Jake Luton, quarterback for Oregon State, 
who had not played in over a month. His last game was September 15th against Nevada. Oregon State's terrible. He got hurt in that game. Uh, He wasn't that great before he got hurt. But he comes in. uh, Oregon State's getting absolutely poleaxed by Colorado and leads this ridiculous second-half comeback. Goes 28 of 39 for 310 yards and three touchdowns. Led five scoring drives in the second half. They were down 31 to three. A terrible Oregon State team on the road was down 31 to three. Came back, tied the game, and won in overtime. So great for the Beavers. They haven't done anything right in years. Uh, they finally <laughs> had a great moment. And so good for Jake Luton. You're my one week Heisman. All right. I am going with Britton Covey, sophomore wide receiver, technically, for the Utah Utes. They housed UCLA 41-10. to They are 6-2. and two. Uh, Kofi uh, is uh, just back from a mission. I think he was in Chile. Uh, he's on Mormon mission. He is uh, only 5'8", but he came through. Caught five passes for 47 yards. He rushed once for 19 yards. He returned two punts or kickoffs. What do you mean? Kickoffs? Punts something. He returned something. And then he threw a touchdown pass. Uh, did it all for the Utes who need to need as much offense as they can get. Yes, it was only against UCLA, uh, but we will we will take it. So good job, uh, Britain and the Utes. All right. We often say something mean on this show or many things mean. How about we say something nice or at least possibly attempt it? Pat 40, say something nice. Yes. Uh, my something nice is uh, the Pac-12 is terrible. That's not the nice part. <laughs> But it's entertaining. It's fun. You don't know what's going to happen week to week, hour to hour, minute to minute. On Saturday, all five underdogs in the conference won. Uh, It was crazy. You had the Oregon State comeback. You had Washington State's comeback at Stanford. You had Arizona destroying Oregon. You had Arizona State beating USC. And you had Cal uh, taking down Washington. Biggest Cal win in years. So, you know what? At least you tune in saying, wow, what's going to happen next? You're not going to see great football. You're not going to see a playoff team, but it's entertaining. All right. Yeah. You may get an officiating controversy as a little, like, cherry (laughs) on top of the craziness. Uh, I am going to uh, salute poll diversity. I'm looking at the top 25 right now, the Associated Press Bowl today. And we have Houston at 17, which wasn't ranked. We have Utah State at 18. They're 7-1, and one, and they really should have beat Michigan State to open the season, which would have made them an intriguing 8-0. and um, We have Fresno State at 7-1, and one, which I saw someone on Twitter point out that Fresno could be the best team in California this year, um, though Cal would probably have something to say about that. Um, and then you have the two Northeast interlopers, Syracuse ranked, as we said, for the first time in uh, 17 years, and then BC sitting there at uh, at number 24 after their big win on Friday night. So, And Virginia at 23, let, let's face it, they haven't been exactly rolling in the rankings either. So I think uh, we all agree college one of the joys of college football is you can mix it up and there's new teams, new faces, new places, and uh, I enjoy that eclectic buffet of geographically diverse teams at the uh, at the bottom of the poll this week. Well, I like it too. Um, all right, Kentucky defense. I'm going to say something nice about you because what else could someone say? Wildcats, as I mentioned earlier, are seven and one. Dream season in Lexington. Uh, they are uh, doing great. And the, the highlight from the game at Missouri was uh, undown, uh, untimed last down walk off touchdown pass 
um, to uh, CJ Conrad for the Wildcats, 15-14 victory. But this game was won by the defense. Missouri has a, a very good offense. Uh, things do fall apart there, and they fell apart there, fell apart in this game. But Kentucky's defense did not allow a first down in the second half. Talk about shutting down a team. Out, 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 out. No first downs. That kept them in the game. Uh, I don't recall many games where that has happened, where a team has not gotten even a first down, let alone a, a quality SEC team. So Kentucky defense, uh, you, uh, I'm saying something nice about you and the entire Wildcat program this week. All right, that's it for t- this week. We'll be back, or this uh, overreaction Monday. Leave us a review, uh, positive one, please. Uh, we'll be back midweek. We'll uh, be there Wednesday morning reacting to the first playoff uh, thing and previewing LSU, Alabama, and others, and then the race for the case, Pat Pete, late in the week. So subscribe so you don't miss anything. Everyone, have a good work.